Sir, when we talk about heartfulness, we are talking about our ability to access the soul or the spirit, which is in some way, and it is described in many ways, that it the, that the heart is the seat of the soul. And when we try to do meditation on the heart chakra, it is essentially the starting point of our journey. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of Spinning Values, a podcast initiative by Bikilon Synthetics. We all live busy lives filled with deadlines, milestones and whatnot. Our productivity and careers all comes down to how we handle the pressures and stressors of life. In this episode, Karthik Chaudhary sits down with Tushar Pradhan, a practitioner of heartfulness meditation. Tushar shares his personal journey and explains the differences between heartfulness meditation and mindfulness. The conversation also explores the relevance of heartfulness meditation in the corporate setting and how it can help individuals achieve personal excellence and reduce stress. Hi Tushar, welcome to Spinning Values. This is a podcast that BKLON started a couple of years back and we have received some great response. Initially, we had only focused on our textile uh, industry as uh, as a whole. But as we were into it, we realized that we shouldn't limit ourselves. And we need to also look into the corporate structures, the business, the general happiness of the employees. And you know how to keep the workplace happier despite it being a textile thing. We don't want to be specific. We want to sort of open it up slightly more. So in that kind of transition and in that optimism, we welcome you. We've spoken earlier and uh, I uh, understand what you do a little bit, but for our listeners, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell us uh, what you do? Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, uh, Karthik. And uh, wonderful to be here on this podcast. Really nice to hear what you guys are doing, trying to spread values without being industry specific. I think it all is a human element, I guess. So that's great. Just a little bit about myself. I was the chief investment officer at HSBC Mutual Fund for the last 14 years, ending in April this year. And now I've begun a little bit of an office of myself, uh, trying to get into the investment market as an individual. But prior to that, I've always been associated with the investing field right from the time that I did my MBA in the U.S. and then joined a couple of companies in the U.S. before coming back to India. And I joined HDFC as soon as I came back in 95, way back. And they had an investing advisory business, which was not really like a formal thing. But at that time, investing was not really, institutional investing was not that formal. In fact, there were no mutual funds at that time either. So they had an advisory to a foreign investor, which was incorporated under the Ministry of Finance role. So it was a very, very early stage public investing kind of role. And thankfully, I kind of parachuted into that role as soon as I came back. And since then, I was with HDFC when they launched the mutual fund. I became a fund manager for them. Then in between, I joined a company called AIG, which also launched a mutual fund. So essentially, to a very large extent, I've been associated with the investment field, uh, largely stock markets, bond markets, that kind of thing. And the real part, which I feel was important in my journey, was that I adopted a spiritual practice along the way. 
and it coincided with actually my coming back to India. And I feel that I owe that a lot to my ability to stay steady during this uh, very mad field of investing throughout this year. So that's a little bit about myself and really happy to share whatever I can. Okay. So as I understand, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you are also, apart from being an asset manager, uh, that has been your career and uh, your full-time job. You have now become an expert in heartful meditation and mindfulness, if I can say so. So you touched upon this a little bit that you came from there and you felt that there, there is a need of spiritual element to the process. So what inspired this change in your professional journey? No, thanks again for that question. But let me clarify um, mindfulness is a uh, very well-known method of, I won't say meditation, but contemplation, which has a lot of scientific data and published papers, etc. And it's accepted across the world, especially large corporates actually use mindfulness. There are mindfulness apps, etc. What I'm talking about is something called as heartfulness, which is a, a technique of meditation which is different from mindfulness. Uh, and it was, again, going back to where this institution began, to 1944, where it was developed as a method of meditating in today's world. <laughs> because usually what happens is meditation, you associate with longer beards and Himalayas and some sort of very strict practices, which initially people are put off by because we are leading normal lives and... Uh, we don't seem to think that there is a link at all to say that why should we meditate, etc. So heartfulness is a method which uh, teaches people to meditate as they are, wherever they are, in whichever profession, whatever creed, caste, gender they are, absolutely regardless of any background or any training. Uh, and, and that is what heartfulness very briefly is. And to share with you what really inspired me to meditate in the first place, is a little bit of a, I would say, early success in life. So many times people either encounter a very dramatic personal tragedy or a situation which helps them to reflect and say that, look, is life all about this? Because generally we are all in a materialistic world and typically a person who's educated tries to get better at wherever he is, gets a job or tries to make more money or whatever. I mean, success is always defined by some ideal that such people take for themselves. Uh, for me, success was, as a very young boy, having been influenced by Hollywood, I had seen a movie called Wall Street, and I was very impressed by what was going on there, and I said, look, that's my goal. I want to be on Wall Street, I manage money. Though I was from a very middle-class background, and I had no way or hope to see that how could I really be there. But as circumstances took me, being an average person, etc., there was a way out. I did my GMATs and I got acceptances from some universities in the U.S. And surprise, surprise, my father took a, took a big loan to help me get there. And I began my MBA journey. I did my MBA in the U.S. And it was a difficult time in the markets there. I graduated in 92, which was the start of the Iraq war and the recession in the U.S. So jobs were very scarce. But I managed. And in 1994, when I was about 25, 26 years old, I was on Wall Street. Uh, I had a card which said Tushar Pradhan, blah, 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 95 Wall Street. And then I stopped in my tracks. I did not know what to do because that was my aim. That was my goal. That was everything that I wanted to be. And here I was. And I then started to reflect that, look, life cannot only be this. 
there has to be something more to this. And I don't mean this only like a profession, but I mean it as in a holistic way of living. I said there is family, there is emotions, there is career, there is everything. But there is something else beyond all of this, which somehow we may have missed out. And, and I started my search from there. Of course, my search led to some books. I started reading about spirituality, about the, the essence that we carry, etc. But they were all very academic, very bookish. They did not give me much satisfaction. If at all, actually, they whetted my appetite to see whether there's anything more to this than just other people's experiences. And what about my experience? So when I came back to India for some other reason, as in family circumstances, etc., brought me back here. I said, well, this is the mother of meditation, right? This is the country where it all began. So maybe I might find some experience here. So I, I started searching. Uh, things were, again, not to my liking because, again, for the same reasons I explained to you earlier, most of these methods are very archaic or they are very arcane, or they are very religious, or they are something very foreboding for somebody who's like a modern person to say, okay, let me start meditating. These things are not easy. And then I stumbled upon this method. I really stumbled upon it. And I found it extremely useful. Very, very practical, but at the same time, very spiritual. So, so just a very simple example of what spiritual is and what religion is. Now, spirit, as we call it, is something which drives the machine, right? So we call it the ghost in the machine or whatever it is. If I were to say that as a human being and like me alive, and then there is a dead body next to me. And if I were to ask you, what is the difference between the two of us? There is hardly any difference because that dead body will have all the organs that I have. It will have eyes, it will have a brain, it will have everything. There is something missing in that dead body. And that's why we don't even refer to that person as a person. It's a dead body. So what is that? That is something what we call as the spirit, which enters the human body as soon as the birth of a baby is. And in fact, when the birth of the baby is done, which is a physical entity, but everyone is waiting for that baby to do something before they can celebrate. And that is they wait for it to cry. So if the baby does not cry, that means it's just a physical body and it's a stillborn and everybody cries. So which means something enters the body and we don't really know when it enters, but it gives us a signal that, look, I'm here. And when the person passes away in the dead body that I'm talking about, they're also that person or that entity passes away from the body. So which means someone is journeying through this lifetime and this body grows old, etc. And then that entity again leaves the body. So that is something which is spirituality which is to get to know our essence of what we are made of, because that decides everything that we can do. Now, that tells my intellect, that you know, trains my mind, everything. But most of the time, most human beings, about 99% of the time, are unaware of that entity because we identify ourselves with either our intellect, with our bodies, with our minds or whatever. But we don't identify ourselves with that entity because it remains mysterious. So that was the spirituality I was interested in. But typically, when you type the word spirituality in, in Google or whatever, you, you just get thrown off in millions of directions. And, and that is something which I was not very comfortable with. So, so that is how it led me to you know, exploring this on my own. And this method allowed me to really do all of that without being associated, without being bracketed or labeled in any other way. So again, a long answer to your short question, but that's really what inspired me to, to go forward on this. Got it. 
couple of points first of all just to be clear the movie was wall street and not wolf of wall street <laughs> <laughs> thankfully that movie came much later <laughs> yeah then obviously i mean right now the the way google search engine and the seo works anything you try and search for it might not be the right answer to your question it is whoever has done good seo will pop in on your home page thirdly yes so what you are i think what you are talking about is the age old question of consciousness like we have in human physics uh, research scientific research we have been able to mostly figure out what everything is what atoms are what life is but one thing which still remains kind of a gray area is what exactly is consciousness and like all the philosophies whether it's uh, ancient vedic philosophy whether it's tibetan buddhism whether it's indian buddhism or even western the philosophers they all always try and figure out what exactly is that consciousness and what exactly is that point when something becomes aware or alive so that is an age old uh, question that everyone's trying to kind of find find the answer to so interesting so what i now i specifically want to come to heartful meditation so how is it different from say mindful technique that's again i must give a little bit of a background before we jump into this so mindfulness as the word uh, describes is being mindful of every action so this is basically based on the vipassana method that gautam buddha actually discovered or shared with the world about what his discovery was that we have to do everything with a conscious mind that is like for example if i i just pick this phone up without thinking that's a subconscious act like every time that i just pick up the phone i don't think that i want to pick up the phone it's just a habit that is something called as subconscious and remarkably about 95% of what we do in the day this is coming from some research report but it is i would believe that is all done subconsciously including the driving that we do including the eating that we do it we we just not applying our mind so the buddha decided and discovered that when you put our mind to any action that we do it's a different experience whether you are being in the present or all of those things that are associated with the now uh, those are the things associated with mindfulness it is about just being aware of our consciousness of how it is changing all the time and that is mindfulness the way i understand it the way it's described tough to do because we slip into subconsciousness very very easily heartfulness on the other way is is something very different so i don't know how much you are aware of the eight fold path that patanjali discovered the ashtang yoga which is in one way a way to understanding yourself right so it starts from yama niyama then it goes to asana then it goes to pranayama then it goes to pratyahara and then to pratyahara and then to dharana and to dhyana and samadhi so these are the eight steps along the way and if you read the book in its original sense it's in sanskrit it's very difficult to understand what why all of these steps to get to the point where samadhi appears which is the last stage then slowly you understand and there are various books which actually demystify them one which i would recommend is one written by one mr deshpande it's called the authentic yoga and in that book of course even vivekananda has done a very short description of what the eightfold path is in his own way it starts with your ability to sit still now the whole problem about being 
not able to understand what's happening inside is that our mind is very outward looking and it is very distracted most of the time so how do i first of all bring the mind to some regulation before i can go inward right that's the big deal and in the eightfold path it starts from yama yama means getting rid of right that can be something like not doing certain bad things right so why is it so necessary and one wonders why are there so many steps before you can reach dhyana and then the ultimate state which is samadhi and then we realize it is all to do with a preparation so the yama means to not do certain things and the niyama means to do certain things which are good and then asana is what we are associated with and we know about yoga asana and sitting in in certain poses etc then there is the pranayama which is the regulation of the breath and then it goes on you know pratyahara which is an inward looking attitude etc now you wonder why there are those steps because till you purify your physical acts till you purify your breath till you purify your body you are unable to see the inside that is the concept and many times this purification can take a year or maybe a lifetime uh simply the fact that you will do certain things which are good uh, which is you will speak the truth or you will i will say follow saucha which is cleanliness but all of these things are necessary to be able to kind of have that purity inside of us to be able to experience what is within so this is the reason why we have all of these steps before we actually come uh, to the point where we can meditate and heartfulness is a way where we begin from the seventh of the eight fold path and we start with dhyana now you can imagine which means that all of the requirements which were prescribed from the vedic times you are actually jumping across to meditation right away because of a wonderful concept called transmission which allows a newcomer for not having done any of the practices before or no preparation required with the help of a trainer a heartfulness seeker someone who wants to try it can meditate from the first day onwards which is which is almost like a miraculous thing and unless someone actually does that and experiences it it is just me talking about it so so this is the great thing about heartfulness and how i would distinguish it from mindfulness which i described what that was and what heartfulness is to be able to meditate in this modern world without having to do all of the practices which were there before okay so i have this question just a personal question mind has a certain function in the body heart has a certain function in the body i mean i've heard some theories that there are some neurons in the heart as well and it has the ability to depending on your emotion it has the ability to circulate so is it somewhere connected to that when you say heartfulness like are we using that capability yeah. of the heart in this meditation it's a wonderful question kartik so here when we mean the heart it is actually the spiritual heart or i would say the core of my being while the heart had its has its own uses it's also quite linked to the fact that if the heart stops then the whole body stops there are people who are brain dead but they are alive so the heart is the most vital organ from a physical perspective as well but here when we talk about the heart as heartfulness it is it's about the heart chakra so a little bit about the spiritual anatomy that we have there are various chakras so animals have also the muladhar the swadeshthana and all of those chakras going up to the heart chakra but the human being is the only one who has the heart chakra and then the chakras above that is what the human being is capable of reaching 
So that's why uh, heartfulness begins from the heart chakra, which means we are assuming that our lower, more animalistic tendencies are already behind us. But just a simple answer to your question, here when we talk about heartfulness, we are talking about our ability to access the soul or the spirit, which is in some way, and it is described in many ways, that, it, the, that the heart is the seat of the soul. And when we try to do meditation on the heart chakra, it is essentially the starting point of our journey. Okay, so that clears my question. I mean, what I understand uh, is that you work with a lot of corporate clients and you work with a lot of employees who have 9 to 5 also is unfair, 9 to 7, 9 to 9 kind of jobs. So uh, how do you see this practice uh, benefiting some of those individuals in a corporate or a professional setting? Now, I think that's a wonderful question because ultimately we can talk about philosophy, we can talk about self-discovery, etc. But I think for most people who have no inkling, interest or anything like that, I think what is most important to understand is that what are we trying to do in our material life? We want to excel. We want to be better at what we are. And there are various ways of attempting to become better at what we are. So either we can become intellectually more advanced, take on more hard courses in terms of skills. Uh, we can, you know, try to train ourselves to think better. You can take a degree or you can take, you know, something to better yourself. But at the root of it all is the emotion, right? So, so I can be a PhD, but somehow I get depressed and all of that knowledge is of no use. On the other hand, if I'm driven, if my heart tells me, and this is where the heart also comes as a means of guidance, is that my heart is telling me to do something and I'm inspired. My intuition starts to tell me that this is what I need to do. That person, whether he has any educational background or any institutional support, he manages to make himself a success and feel pretty happy about what he's done and he's an asset to society. So the whole crux, uh, the whole thing about trying to be a better person, to excel at what we are doing, really resides in the heart. And it's not the brain. It is not anything to do with how you know, educated we are or how better we are at expressing ourselves. It's something to do with the heart. And I think that is something very critical for everyone. So what we do in these corporate engagements is to make people aware that whatever HR programs, whatever self-development programs you will do, essentially it will boil down to your own self and how motivated you feel and how happy and contented you feel inside before you can try to do something outside. And the way to do that is to have a spiritual practice where you focus and you contemplate and you sit with yourself for some time. If you are able to achieve that sense of calm, peace and that connection with your inner self, you will do wonders. That's the whole key about trying to you know, get corporate people involved in the spiritual practice because that's a means of personal excellence. And of course, it can apply to anybody. Why only corporates? It can apply to really practically any human being on earth. But in corporates, we are structured in a way that you can collect people of like mind, of a similar goal, etc. And then they are motivated to practice it for that reason. So that's how we offer heartfulness to Okay. So also, I mean, it's said, especially in a country like India, which is a growing economy and, you know, we are often advised to not look at the Western work-life balance kind of conversations that are happening and just keep our heads down and keep working. So uh, the corporate world is often associated with stress and high demands. 
So what do you like? Are there any specific challenges you think that corporate clients and employees often face before they they think that that can be addressed through mindful meditation? Yeah, I think that's also a wonderful question because each of the corporates have a different style, right? So there are these very top-down oriented companies. There are companies which are collaborative in nature. There are, you know, these days CEOs reinvent their companies to run them the way they want. And of course, companies also are very objective specific. So whether you're a finance company, whether you're a manufacturing company, it's very a diverse kind of environment. And what helps to understand is that is the company driving the person to excellence? which is rarely the case. Now, you hardly come across, even if they are the best companies to work for, there are so many layers between what the CEO wants to achieve, what the company wants to achieve, and eventually how the employee gets motivated at his role about what he has to do in the whole project, right? So there's a lot of loss, and especially the larger the company, the bigger is the objective loss in terms of what am I supposed to do at my role? which will help my company do better. And even if the company does better, how does that benefit me in some way, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a, it's a lot of noise out there. I think heartfulness practices help people to understand that regardless of where the company is going, it is essential to understand personal excellence. It is important to understand this issue that no matter where you are in the hierarchy and whether you, where you wish to be, your personal attitude really matters. Whether the company achieves a certain goal or not, that's not so essential, but your contribution is more important. And essentially, these practices go then beyond any corporate style because the person realizes that it's me who drives the whole engine and it's about me. It's not about the company. And when I start to do well, naturally, the company has to start to feel that impact. So I think that is something that we try to emphasize. So heartfulness actually then works very individually. It's actually a person-to-person training. But companies can adopt that to help them achieve a certain goal or bring high-performance teams together or introduce heartfulness to the very senior team, etc., whatever they feel like. So it's an application. And so far, we have not really worked out on exact terms how to offer it to which part of the organization. Uh, but we offer that as an absolutely free service to, to humanity in that sense. And whoever, whichever manager figures this out, they can apply it to, to work. So how we started is that people like me, right? I work in an organization and I know the impact of it. So I say, look, my team, why don't we meditate together? And that's how it began. Someone higher up in the hierarchy, they can decide, oh, I now want to introduce it to my plan workers. Because, you know, if they are more motivated, more calmer, they understand what they really have to do. From a personal responsibility perspective, that will be good for me. So then they introduce them to large audiences and large groups like that. So, so it really depends. And that's why I say that it's not suited for any one company or one style or anything. It is about individual excellence. And it's about how people become aware of their contribution to the overall organizations. So I think now we are sort of approaching the end part of the conversation and we'll start wrapping up. But my question to you is, so suppose I am a a manager at a software company or a textile company. Let's say textile company. Maybe I'm an HR manager. If I have to have this conversation with you. And if I am still looking for something for my plant workers, uh, how do you think you have structured your uh, this heartful meditation course? 
So, as I said, it's, a, it's something which applies to every uh, level of the organization. So, when I approach HR, it's a little bit of a challenge because HR by itself has their own views in terms of how they intervene and how their own metrics are used to measure their effectiveness, etc. So, I don't think we have an answer to that. What we do have is that we have three levels of programs that we offer. One is the program at the very senior level, which we have a institute actually inside of our headquarters in Hyderabad. And the offering is called Kaushalam. And the Kaushalam part is where very senior executives are trained by some very, very good management trainers globally also. They also happen to be heartfulness practitioners, so they offer their services absolutely free of charge to the institute. Of course, the institute charges something for that level program. It's a residential program. And then you can take that level program as an HR manager, he can decide that. If he wants more of a larger participation or he wants some part of the organization to be more effective for whatever problem that he may have thought, he can just introduce the basic method, which is the method of heartfulness meditation, which is a practice which is given to people. And that could be a starting point for an HR manager as well. So it really depends up to what he wants to do. Like, for example, we are going to do a program beginning next week with one uh, public sector organization. And they wanted us to have speakers, uh, say, talk about stress management or eating mindfully, some subject like that, which is of popular kind of interest. And then that we segue into saying that, look, all of these things are very critical. And we explain to people about how stress works, etc. And then we say, that the effective way of actually overcoming stress is understanding oneself. But what are the stressors for me specifically? And then we introduce them to practice. So it's actually a range. So I gave you those three options. One is that we approach the very senior level and then we have a stated program, a residential program. We can have small groups of people introduce that the method to that simply anywhere. Or we can have a structured session of five or six or 11 uh, subjects uh, which are of public interest and then we take them through that and then we allow them to experience the practice over these six or eleven sessions as long as the company would want it. So that's the offering that we have right now. Thank you Tushar uh, so much again for giving your valuable time and sharing um, these things and insights with us. I am sure after listening to it a lot of people will be curious to know about this technique and you know they would want to uh, let their employees and themselves experience this. Just before we uh, say bye, like if you can tell us where people can find you, is there a website, are you on LinkedIn? Uh, if yes, then what can people look for? All of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the first thing I can share with is our main website, which is heartfulness.org, where the basic practices and everything related to what I spoke about is available. Uh, we also have uh, our presence on Facebook, on, on LinkedIn. Our global guide, his name is Kamlesh Patel. He also goes by the name of Daji. So Daji is also available on LinkedIn, Facebook, etc. His public profile is available. People can check out whatever he's saying. So he's got these videos. There are YouTube videos. If you type heartfulness, you'll get a large base of knowledge available to you. And you can just check what you want. But I think that the principal website is heartfulness.org, where it offers information about the basic practice, etc. I think that should be a good starting point. Okay, Tushar. Thank you so much for being on Spinning Values. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Tushar, for being on Spinning Values. So that's a wrap for episode 8. 
We hope you like this episode. Do like, share and follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is an initiative by Bicolon Synthetics, produced by Inkscape Media, hosted by Karthik Chaudhary and produced by Rajiv Nadumaran. Take care and we will see you on the next episode.